not morning here. It's a podcast. People could probably listen to it whenever they want. Anyway, hello. Welcome to the Pop and Jay Show. I'm Pop, as they say. Uh-huh. Or Grandpop, as Felix will say. And I'm Jay. Yay. Okay. <laughs> uh, you're in rare form today. I guess that's understandable because this topic that we're going to talk about would make any red-blooded American excited. We are talking about America. 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 Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Coming in to save the day now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Full disclosure, this is a huge, or as Donald Trump would say, huge, with a Y, topic (laughs) for our show, which will be whatever it is, 45 minutes to an hour. There is so much to cover of this history. And so we'll go back and forth on the greatness or lack thereof, as many critics see it. Um, And you might be surprised to hear me say that there are times when we have not been great. Um, Anyway, namely our founding principles and the beautiful, nearly demolished Constitution, which we need to talk about. But I think we'll go with some of the lower hanging fruit, such as American exceptionalism and stuff like that. Yeah, it is a topic on everybody's minds, I think. Uh, I brought this, I had this idea because I happen to be listening to the great one, Mark Levin, on a Friday, and it always somehow catches me off. He he's, he hits me right in the old gut when he starts to play Ray Charles, America the Beautiful. And there's just something, I don't know. And by this, by the time this airs, it'll be Veterans Day will have passed. Today when we're recording, ooh, uh, Inside Baseball, uh, it is the Marine Corps birthday today. And by the way, thank you. Happy birthday, Pop. Uh, As we say to all the Marines around the world on November 10th, and thanks and happy birthday to my bro, Arf, who also served with you guys. Oorah, Semper Fi. God bless America. Ah, America. Well, I'm going to take a few seconds and just, it is the birthday of my beloved Marine Corps. 1775, 240 years ago, in a bar, the Marine Corps was founded. And ever since then, Marines have been in bars and kicking butt, as they say. So uh, this is our day, and we don't ever forget where we came from, and that's what separates us from a lot of other organizations, is we beat it into everybody's head from day one of boot camp that you came from something special. You came from something very special. Don't ever forget it, and always try your damnedest to live up to it or die trying. And that might be a really great in- intro to start talking about the awesomeness that is America. Well, yeah. So as a military kid, like um, patriotism w- was like a natural state of being, you know, like our parents, like everybody, all my schoolmates when I was on base for school, our our parents were literally American heroes. Like at any moment, even if they hadn't gone to war, which they all had when I was a kid, 
because of Desert Storm and stuff. But even if they didn't, just the, the their names were at the top of the list. You, your name was at the top of the list, and we knew that. And so we had to believe in what you were doing. You know, maybe not we're kids, not politics, but we're in the country, in in freedom. You know, those generic like terms or whatever. So. I, I think a big part of why I wanted to talk about this, because as I'm thinking more about this stuff, I'm thinking, well, so is it, is it, like George Bernard Shaw said, patriotism is your conviction that this country is superior to all others because you were born in it. And that can obviously, you can <laughs> say that, that that would be for, for anyone in any country. So there is maybe like a level of that. It's kind of like loyalty to your your team, your family or whatever. But is there something different, great, exceptional Special. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, you said something about uh, what did you say about Sh- Bernard Shaw? He said because we were born there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of our founders, Samuel Johnson, and the f- famous statement you may have heard it: "Patriotism is the last refuge of a scoundrel." I and have, yeah, o- over the years. That was like back in 1775, around the time of the Marine Corps' birth, I might add. But a lot of people have taken that and said. Oh, yeah, see, he's saying that patriotism is just a bad thing. But what he was really saying was false patriotism or that people, when they've run out of anything else, they'll hide behind that. And and I think that might be the flavor of where some of our, shall we say, opponents, um, maybe on the progressive side, go to. They always go to that. They always say, oh, you're hiding behind the flag and jingoistic this and that. And remember our current president several years ago wouldn't wear a tie, uh, a flag tie pin or pin on his jacket. And he said, I believe in American exceptionalism, just as I suspect that the Brits believe in British exceptionalism and the Greeks believe in Greek exceptionalism. Hmm. Yes. Yes. And so, so his, his take on it is of course we're exceptional. He probably agreed with George, George Bernard Shaw. We're exceptional. Because we think we're exceptional, just like everyone else does. Everyone gets a trophy. Uh, we're all special. That's, and that goes that's... towards uh, relativism of, you know, <clears throat> religion and everything else. Your religion's no better yeah. or worse than anybody else's, people would say. But if you're going for the absolute truth of the matter, if there is one, which I'm not saying that it's absolutely true that these 50 states, this con continental United States of America, like the way that it's set up right this second is some kind of, you know, um, I'm my brain. It, it is not the specialness of it. It is the ideas of it and the exceptional nature, which I think we're going to get into of the founding of this country. Well, we're going to get into it. And I think something else I hope we get into and get a chance to maybe even play for people is a, a short piece by Rinaldus Magnus, the great Ronald Reagan, on American exceptionalism in America, and just the, the different way that he and most of our previous presidents looked at it, and how most most Americans have historically looked at it. But to, to start drilling down into just, just what it is about America, and why is America so great, and why do we think it's so great, and why does everyone around the country, historically, for the last 200 plus years... Trying to get in here. Everyone's trying to get in here. We have walls in our minds to keep people out, and we hope we get a real one soon, but we don't have walls keeping people in. Why is that? What is it? 
Yeah. It, it's, I, 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 and I, I don't want to think of myself as being somebody who's just some brainwashed, you know, the knuckle dragger, flyover country type that the, that the progressives refer to us as, but I can't help but notice that whenever they've been in control for a long time, people who are of the mind that every country's the same as every other country, things are worse. Life is worse. Much um, worse. Morality's down. The everything feels worse. You you don't have you don't have drive if you're if you work hard, it's just going to get taken away. And and that's like getting down into the nitty gritty of the politics of it. But I don't know. On a bigger level, I just think I've been you know today just kind of looking over stuff and thinking like, yeah, the truth of the matter is that the the people who founded this country and who who constructed the constitution would be i think absolutely just just disgusted at the state of things right now so i guess if you looked around right now maybe you wouldn't think the federal government of the united states of america right now doesn't look exceptional but the heart of it the beating heart hopefully still if it's still still there is the, the constitution there's something just truly great about it and you um i was going to say that i i kind of see it Similar as my faith in the Catholic Church, my love for America, which is, you could say, blasphemous. But what I'm saying is our country could fail. It may even be on its way right now, you know? Blasphemy! Blasphemy alert. I I wish I had a button right now. No, so, okay, but the thing is, our country could fail, but the church cannot, okay? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, actually, uh, here, you might call this uh, patriotic blasphemy, but... Not only can our country fail and, and fall, it will. All nations will fall because no nation can can endure. The only nation that can endure is the body of Christ. And and this is borne out through history. I mean, we are a young nation, historically speaking. We are a very young nation. But will lo- can the heart of America ever fail? Like the truth. The, ah, the what is the heart of America? Trivia question. Who was our second president? John Adams? John Adams. Let me tell you something that John Adams said, and then you can tell me why he said this. Because this is where we're going. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Yeah, and you, yeah. And, and yet... Why, why did he say that? What 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 is he talking about? Uh, I thought in America you could be... Uh, anything you want you could be an atheist and a non-patriot and whatever so what is he talking about and why is that relevant to our discussion right now yeah so it's it's not that you you can be an atheist you can be anything you want as long as your your rights don't infringe on other people but if you i don't know if if the if you don't I, i i guess maybe i don't understand exactly how if our country became a majority of atheists, how it, it could work. And I think that that's kind of what we're seeing right now is not atheists. Well, you are seeing a rise in atheism, but you're definitely seeing a rise in secularism. It, it's, well, it's, it's, what, what we're seeing is a rise of a country that less and less resembles the country that was founded and that flourished for such a long time. Um, I, want, I want to say this about freedom, because that's where I was kind of leading. Mm-hmm. The progressive movement, as they call it, started basically in the late 1800s and it really picked up a lot of steam under Woodrow Wilson 
um, who is probably, arguably, our second most destructive president after Obama. But he basically started uh, to mainstream the progressive movement, and we started seeing the uh, the income tax. They 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 did the uh, no longer senators being appointed by the states. Then we moved into the government being in charge of education and things like that. But probably most insidiously, what the progressive movement has done to the, quote, spirit of America is by perverting the word freedom. And here, here press the alert button. I'm about to do a Bible quote. Dun, dun, dun. Um, St. Paul to the Galatians said, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh and your sinful nature. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Imagine that. Um, this leads us to the civil society and all of these topics that we should at least briefly touch on. But real quick, I just want to say, because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. And we're at a point in this country right now where that is the opposite of that is what's playing out. People are doing everything, and they're doing it because, quote, I can, because, quote, I'm free. So this perversion of freedom is, is actually the, that's what's happening to our country. If anyone wonders what's going on in our country, it is that. So along with the stipulation that a, a, a society of people who didn't, don't believe in God, maybe they First of all, they could be taken over easily. If you are atheistic or if you don't believe in God or if you don't believe in a creator, you yourself will fall prey easier to totalitarianism because you don't believe inherently in your own self-worth. Even if you don't see it that way, that is the fact of the matter. If you don't have an inherent, or maybe you're not thinking of it for yourself, but if you don't think of your neighbor as having inherent God-given self, self-worth, Eventually, you will fall to dictatorship. But also, perhaps it could be that if you are not a moral people, that is the other arm of the chair that needs to hold up the country, which is, on one side, yet you don't want to fall to dictatorship, but on the other side, you're going to become a lawless people. If you have freedom, but you don't respect uh, the morality that is in has to go along with it. With great power comes great responsibility. With great freedom, you have to keep that in check with something. Otherwise, you are in an anarchy. Exactly. Hence the civil society. Um, yes, exactly. Which, the opposite of what we're talking about, The re- it's not a restraint of freedom. It's the responsible use of freedom. And the opposite of that is is probably anarchy. And because I'm a, a philosophy nerd and I read a lot of philosophy, uh, Thomas Hobbes referred to anarchy as the war of all against all. And if, if you look around in America today, what do you see? One special interest group after another, um, this very day in, in Missouri, that nonsense going on at the at the university, it's, it's everybody and their pet cause and their pet, I can do this because I'm free against everyone else. It's, it's absolutely anarchic what's going on in this country. And, and by the way, that pleases a lot of people. Yeah, it does please a lot of people. Uh, I went to American college and I feel like most of the people I went to school with 
the goal, like you were successful if you caused unrest, if you shook it up. And I know that that's coming out of, from probably their parents who did the same thing in the 70s and 80s and whatever, 60s, 70s, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, there's something in their mind patriotic about it. That I feel like there's somebody in my head saying, it is not patriotic to question your glitter. <laughs> well, every time somebody strays away from their own interest, this is going to sound at first glance maybe um, counterintuitive, but if you just think about it for a second, it's not. The minute people in a society start to stray from their own self-interest and they try to be, uh, so we say, large-minded and, and think about being masterminds and, and fixing everything the way that progressives do, uh, the, the utopian sense of justice, we've got to fix this and fix that. That's when things always, historically, always start to go drastically wrong. Um, Adam Smith, who wrote a book back in the 1700s called The Wealth of Nations, which if, if you've not read it or at least perused it or done a cliff note, you need to because our founders used it. Uh, it's brilliant. It's, it is about economics, but he's mostly a philosopher. There was a thing going on called the Scottish Enlightenment at the time. Um, anyway, one of the things he's famous for, he did also talk a lot about the civil society, uh, is the invisible hand. The invisible hand. Don't know if you've heard of that, but yeah. basically what it means is when people act in their own self-interest guided by a civil society, it tends to make everything better for everyone. And when people decide that they want to intentionally benefit society with their mastermind plans, it goes wrong because somehow this invisible hand told us that it's better for us to pursue our own happiness, just like our Constitution says. Now, our, our founders knew this, and here's where their brilliance really shines to me. They knew that the inherent weakness of human beings, one of the inherent weaknesses, is greed. But they also figured that it's actually a power to be harnessed, and they figured that, uh, also, not in small part, by reading Adam Smith, but only if the civil society concept remains intact and only if people are allowed to seek prosperity openly and fairly. So the minute uh, people start getting together and thinking they're going to be masterminds and next thing you know we have Brave New World, things go wrong. But when we leave people alone and they behave fairly in a civil society, look what it brought to this planet. And everything that, that, that it did and it brought is, is starting to come apart at the seams now because... We've gone wait, away from wait, them. wait, 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 wait. Look what we've got, but the progressives, the leftists, which there's 50% of this country now, is left. And they say, what, what we have? Oh, you mean a history of slavery, oppression, of the gap between the top and the bottom being so huge, you know, so getting bigger and bigger and... Basically, we're a nation, like, uh, I might play it here. There's a minute clip of Bill Maher talking about American exceptionalism, and we've played him before. The country is real screwed up, and it's a shame, uh, especially for people who are as old as I am now and remember when it was, uh, as Burt Lancaster said in the movie Atlantic City, this used to be a pretty good country. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, it still, I guess, could be again, but I think many of us think uh, things are so off track and that there are so many greedy, selfish people who have hijacked what was good about this country and 
when I hear the Republicans railing on as they do about American exceptionalism, they you know they're very obsessed with the idea that Obama will not say American exceptionalism. Well, you know what's exceptional about America, unfortunately, is you know we're the only advanced nation that doesn't have health care. Mm. Uh, we're number one in income inequality. We are the nation that throws the highest percentage of our own people into prison. We're number one in debt. We're number one in military expenditures. We're number one in meth labs and fat toddlers. You know, the things we're number one in these days are, are mostly not good things. And he's just succinct. He's just saying what all kinds of people on the left say, which is basically, no, yeah, it's not really... Well, it's a I, I need to stop you here because we have to stop taking IQ points away from anyone that might be listening by playing Bill Maher. Okay, and I know that, there's more. Noam Chomsky has an 11 minute clip that made me almost crash my car. I was, I could. <laughs> uh, believe me, it is a bad idea to listen to Noam Chomsky while you're driving or any other time. But but it's not just him. You know, it's it, basically every professor I had throughout school. I you know I. I, could, I defaulted to, to being political in school. I didn't set out to be so. I, I'm not, I didn't, you weren't really that political as I was growing up. You know, it wasn't like politics was huge in our house. But when I got to public university, you know, like I said, away from what I grew up with on bases and stuff, and I started to realize every professor at every, in every class in college, it's like their goal is to undergird the foundation of no, that's the wrong word. To undo this nation from within. This and as I've, you know, as I've gotten older, it's just it's insidious. It's everywhere. It's it's constant and, and it's worked. I mean, you the, America, I think I don't know if it was Alexis de Tocqueville, somebody many people I'm sure have said America will not be conquered from without it will be from within. And that's by convincing people that these things, these truths we hold self-evident if you might say, are not so self-evident. They're they're actually a big, you know, scheme or a, a like we're all just we've been brainwashed basically, and and it's and it's and, and not just brainwashed. In doing so, most of my professors f- totally believe that we have. Yeah, sure, we've had it so good, but at what cost to the rest of the world? So a future show is definitely going to need to be on academia and the irony of how ignorant they really are. But back to that topic of what you just said about our past and what the rest of the world. Well, here, uh, a guy named Ronald Reagan, here's a a little little bit of what he said right at the beginning of his uh, his presidency. He was at, I think, Kansas State University. Uh, He was talking about the same charges that you just said were being leveled at that time, and people were sick of them, and that's why that man rode into office on such a wave of support because Americans were <laughs> 49 sick. state landslide. What 49 state landslide, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> people were sick and tired of hearing about how awful America is and how we're done and all that. And Reagan said, We're not running out of food and fuel because we haven't run out of ideas. And then he said, We're going to feed the world, we're going to continue feeding the world. Because that's what America's been doing forever. Um, he said so many people delight in downgrading everything American. And then he says, we don't occupy any countries. 
And like I said earlier, we don't build walls to keep our people in. We provide more food assistance around the globe than all the other nations combined. And by the way, that's only gone up since then. And yeah. and yeah, and Reagan, you know, basically brought this back. He said, America remains mankind's best hope. Um, everyone in the world looks at us. They're counting on us to protect the peace and, and promote new prosperity, provide for them a better world. Everyone looks to us for this. But Reagan said, we have to, we can only do this if we remember the great gifts of our revolution, namely that we are one nation under God believing in liberty and justice for all. And the under God part is probably where a lot of the progressive side just like goes into some catatonic coma or worse yet, they, they freak out like someone just shot methamphetamine into their blood. Why are you talking about God? You don't talk about God. Get God out of schools. Get God out of here and there. And, and it's like, and, even when you, as you say that right now, I almost want to just say, they're idiots just don't even don't even indulge them because one nation under god it's on our currency it's in our declaration it's it's in every aspect of every thing that has formed this country and yet somehow they've it's the drumbeat that beautiful essay that you have had had me read for years about the drumbeat. That's what... And what is it in them that wants to yeah. keep that drumbeat going? Why do they do this slow death march until we all fall down with them? And the thing about America that I think... Okay, so... Like, I think about Les Mis, one of my favorite films, and what it portrays of the just terribly sad uh, French Revolution. What happened to, you know the French citizens yeah. who believed in freedom. And so in their hearts, they had the same kind of thing. But the thing about America is <laughs> what kickstarted this whole oorah American go get them exceptionalism was our remarkably against all odds founding. We beat the biggest army in the history of the world up to that point, the British army with these rabble-rousing little farmers. Yeah, they, the, the rough equivalent, by the way, of that would be, uh, shall we say, Luxembourg or Honduras defeating the United States today. I mean, that's literally the comparison you'd have to make. And and I think, you know, I think of people who I look up to who, I don't hear them, because like, I listen to a lot of religious radio, but I, I also listen to a lot of conservative radio and just read a lot of... Uh, just a, a lot of stuff, and it's funny because the the times when I hear the 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 two kind of mesh and and overlap, even when I'm reading the founding fathers, is when that word of freedom comes up. Or in the like, Rush is one of my favorites, so I might play a little bit of his. I'm thinking maybe at the end of this episode, I'll just have a montage of some just great lines on American exceptionalism. But he gets so passionate about God when he's talking about American exceptionalism, because if you're honest and you look at the founding of this country, it's miraculous. It's, mirac it, it's it, inextricably tied. Uh, there, there's no getting around. There is no getting around. And this, by the way, uh, slight sidebar to this, or maybe a footnote, is you will notice that our current president, his big campaign thing, and he was perfectly honest 
we are going to fundamentally transform America. And the reason they say that, and by the way, the low information people listening to that, they're just like, oh, yeah, positive change, hope and change. Mm -hmm. No, he was serious about it. He was, he's had disdain for the Constitution, and he does not believe, and he said as much, in American exceptionalism, and he doesn't believe in the notion of God needing to be present in our lives in order for this country to succeed. Our first president, George Washington, he believed and said you could not have morality without the basis of religion. That sounds almost scandalous nowadays. You tell someone that and they, oh, I'm offended now because I'm not religious, but I'm a moral person. And he wasn't saying religious in a sense of necessarily that you had to punch the time clock at your local church every Sunday, although that's a big part of it. No, he was he was pointing out that God got us here. And the minute we turn our back on God, he's going to turn his back on us. And we've seen this in history. It's well, what's going to happen. Yeah, and so maybe... Maybe America, from 1776 to whatever date you want to click the end, maybe it will just be uh, something you read about, but it will be something worth reading about because it, it isn't just like anything else. It's, it's, we're having a lot of problems right now, and they all stem around not just sidestepping, but drastically dismantling the, the Constitution. And the reason why the Constitution is so perfect, because, okay, so the, so all the founding fathers at that time agreed, hey, we're all in agreement. Freedom, we're all equal, da da da, da. What do we need a Constitution for? Well, the Federalists and the geniuses <laughs> who could foresee, yeah, we all agree right this second, hopefully. You never know when you got a Judas around. But the problem is that as time goes on, we need to protect what we're starting here. And that means protecting it from elitist, big government, all that stuff. That's why the Constitution is so drastically different. Like, I, <clears throat> the reason why I was thinking about this was the other day I'm teaching, I was teaching junior high, and we just walked in, and they, this was their intro to the Constitution. So we're going through the sections of the Constitution, and, and I was working with some aides. I had a couple of uh, adult aides assisting me. And we're reading through all of this, and... The, the adults looked at me and, and each other, and they're just kind of musing, and they're like, "I didn't realize there was so much stuff that the government couldn't do." It's really all about what they cannot and ought not do to us, and it, and it it's just it just so throws things in reverse. And it, back to my comparison to the church, our government—I heard Bill Whittle say this, and I was like, "That's it. Our government was hmm. set up to be." The government leaders serving us. And that is the way that our church is set up as well. The it is. Here, here's another uh, another insertion quote from the great Rinaldus Magnus. Um, he said, I believe that we are a nation under God. I've always believed that this blessed land was set apart in a special way. Some divine plan placed this great continent here between the oceans to be found by people from every quarter of the earth who had a special love for freedom and the courage to uproot themselves, leave homeland and friends to come to a strange land and where coming here, they have created something that is brand new in the history of mankind, a land where man is not beholden to government, but government is beholden to man. I, I mean, it's beautiful and 
you know, government by the people, for the people. Wait, what did, what did President, or current President, say about the Constitution? What's his famous quote? The Constitution is what? Oh, I can't remember. Time's up. I, I know it's good. I, I just don't remember what Yes. Said. And you, by the way, go feel free to rush to your nearest Google screen and type in Obama. And then this quote I'm about to say, the, the Constitution is a charter of negative liberties. Oh, yeah. But he, I know. That then he went on to explain that it, that it does a lot to tell us what the government can't do, but it doesn't tell enough about what the government should do for us. You see the progressive mind frame, the utopian. It's it's crazy because it's so antithetical to to the to this country to what it stands for, and there's so many progressive liberal co nations. Why this this is what just kills me. Why do progressives stay here? Feel the need to fundamentally transform this country when every other country in the world is 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 closer to their to their utopian idea and they're all failing it's just it's it's so interesting and and it really really does go hand in hand with a lack of any kind of belief in god and it's funny because i was thinking about this because i've heard there i've heard many commentators or even apologists who i look up to remark about well it doesn't you know it doesn't have to be a democracy or whatever, you know, it's not the only, you know, you could have a king or queen, it's not bad. And <clears throat> so I've been thinking about, can it be? Like, do I really, do I believe that you could be as free with a king or a queen or whatever? Like, is it just a, am I brainwashed in that way too? Like, I, I don't know. Okay, shameless plug, uh, although I, I don't really care if people do it but i wrote an essay about seven years ago almost to the day it was a couple days after the transformational election of november 4 2008 you may or may not recall that day your head may have exploded and you're not capable but a couple days after i had been really thinking about what the heck was going on because i listened to all that fundamental trans transformation and there was a lot of talk about patriotism going back and forth. And I, I, it's a short essay, but I, I sort of wrote about, you know, defining patriot as someone who loves and loyally or zealously supports one's own country. And then the fundamental change thing. And then I, I came to the simple conclusion that anyone who's honestly thinking, once you define these terms about revolutionaries and fundamental change and patriotism, you have to agree that someone who loves America only for what it has the potential to become is not, by definition, a patriot. Okay, there's something else. They're a revolutionary, maybe. So these people that we're talking about, um, they've never loved it. They don't, they don't believe America had a special founding. They don't believe in the exceptionalism of it. And therefore, they are not patriots. What they do is they see their vision of America, which we're getting closer to every year, um, and, and that's what they want to be patriotic to, when and if that utopia ever happens. And uh, spoiler alert, it won't happen. But that's the great dichotomy here, is you have people who love America for what it was founded to be and what it has been, and then you have people who, quote, love America for what it can be. And I think you were telling me about a quote from de Tocqueville, 
about something about America and her mistakes or whatever. Yeah, the greatness of America lies not in being more enlightened than any other nation, but rather in her ability to repair her faults. Precisely. What did they set up in our Constitution? They set up the amendment process. You know, it's sort of like the the slavery thing and, and, and how the progressives will say, oh, those racist founding fathers, they said that black people only counted for three-fifths of a person in the, you know, in the founding documents. And they completely leave out the reason for that, you know. The, the reason for that was the southern states would never have signed the, the Constitution. It never would have been ratified if they didn't throw them a bone. And by putting in the three-fifths, what they actually did was lowered their voting power mm-hmm. in the national discussions because they had the largest population of slaves and the slaves were not full people, unquote, not because the founders thought they were less than human people, but because they were trying to reduce the, the power of the racists who were running those southern states. So and, just what you said about de Tocqueville, it's, it's another genius of our founding fathers that's been perverted. Oh, yeah. Democracy in America. Holy moly. A must read. Yes, most definitely. But, um, well... One thing that all this makes me think of is that, I don't know, people, like you said, the three-fifths of a person, I think it's mad, mad that the country, the first country in the history of the world to, to give African Americans and everybody, women and equal rights, just, we've, there's so many things that America has done. It's like I said, another similarity to the church. The church gets no respect for its scientific advances that it's done for the world. It's, it doesn't matter what the church has done. They are obviously dumb, ignorant, stupid. More. It's kind of like Ben Carson right now is running for president. And if I hear one more leftist refer to him as some kind of an ignorant person, I will, my head will pop. Look, I, I've had enough of your tangents. I'm pressing my tangent button right now. Okay. I'm okay. not going to sit here and listen to you go on about being a patriotic American, which is making some people sick, and then you're going to start with the church thing. Are you kidding me? Yeah. People, so, people aren't listening to our podcast to hear that kind of thing. Oh, wait. People aren't really listening to our podcast. Maybe they are. Maybe they are. Maybe. You never know. I'm just saying that I think it's crazy the last thing that I, that I would say about this is there is something undeniably special about America. They're completely wrong. It's very, I think when you get persecuted by the, by people, Jesus has laid it out. That is a good thing. And I'm not saying that America and its founding is the, the same as the church, but I believe that they go hand in hand. And the church has even said, not that, but the church has sided again and again with away a, a from socialism. So that's it right there as far as socialism versus a representative Republican. But also, how about the fact that we still get, you know, stuff about the the Constitution and all. When we fought a civil war, the most bloody war in the history of this country was the one we fought amongst ourselves. And and, yes. we, and we did it. And we, and this is, this that quote from Alexis de Tocqueville, like he was seeing into a crystal ball for the civil war. It, because after the Civil War, we have we didn't have to write a new constitution. We didn't have to start a new country. We had the means within our own founding to to better our our country, and that's exactly what we did. And 
Well, and we did it through the construction of the Constitution mm -hmm. that our genius founders built, knowing that it was far from perfect, uh, a perfect document, because nothing's perfect. So they said, hmm, we have to have a mechanism. And so they built one. But they made it hard enough to change things that you couldn't just, every flight of fancy that comes along, someone could come along and fundamentally transform the country. They did it with a very well thought out process of, of going through the states and the Congress and the presidency and all everyone having a role. Actually, the president can be completely left out of the process. So they were very smart with that. But the progressives don't like that. Number one, it won't go their way because the, you said earlier about the progressives being 50. They're, they're not. America is solidly a center-right country in every poll after poll. And there's no way that people, that the process would play out and they would get the kind of votes they need in all the states and in Congress to make these drastic and draconian changes. And as our current president famously said, I don't need Congress. I have a phone and a pen. So he's just going to make things better as he sees it. And that's, that's the danger when you step outside the process that was built into our founding documents. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, you know, one thing I was hoping you and I would do on this broadcast is to sing the Schoolhouse Rock preamble to the Constitution. Are you up for that? Let's do it. Um, do you know it? Because of course I do. this is like a national podcast program with so many people listening. And I would hate for you to be embarrassed. Well, are you going to play the music, too? I can play it. Uh, or should we just sing it? So you don't, oh. wanna, you don't wanna hide behind the music now, do you? Okay, alright, let's do it. Hmm. I could I can almost hear the smoke coming out of your brain. I remember it. I just how does it start? Uh <laughs> <laughs> starts with her talking and saying something to the effect of and they called it the Constitution, and the preamble goes like this. And then you sing it. Do you remember now? Hey, uh -oh. do you know about You're the cheating. USA? <laughs> <laughs> I do, right? You are cheating. Uh, we the You're people. Cheating it up. In order to form a more perfect union. We the people. In order, in order to form a more perfect, perfect union. Establish justice. Establish justice. Ensure domestic tranquility. <laughs> Provide for the common defense. Uh huh. Promote oh, the general is... welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Woohoo! We do ordain and establish this constitution for the United, United States, States of, of America. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds very. Uh, why do things like our... that? Why do things like that pump us up? Real quick, okay, we're emotional, and I just want to say this is the last thing I really want. I would love to say a million things, but we got to stop. Uh, when the Pilgrims came in the early 1600s, John Winthrop at that time evoked uh, the Bible. Imagine that, and he called. Uh, he basically called this new place that they were coming to uh, a shining city on the hill, mm. and that's out of. Christ's Beatitudes, or the Sermon on the Mount, um, 
talking about a shining city on the hill. It didn't feel blasphemous to these highly religious people because that's what they were seeking. Our First Amendment is what? The very first right in the Bill of Rights. It is not freedom of speech. It is freedom of religion. That's the first one. That means that people who are religious can't put up a cross on their property, right? Correct. Okay. That's what it means. Sure. And then our, our, our probably the greatest president in, in modern history, for sure, and definitely in, in the top three to five, for sure, of all time, uh, President Reagan, again, he took that notion of the city on the, and here's a, a short quote from him that a lot of people, a lot of people recognize, and it just stirs something in you. Reagan said, in my mind, it was a tall, proud city built on rocks stronger than oceans, windswept, God-blessed, and teeming with people of all kinds, living in harmony and peace. He said that. He meant that. He rebuilt a lot of that, and now it's crumbling again. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's almost like opposite of what maybe somebody would think. To have to, I uh, Rand Paul. He's not my favorite candidate, but his answer to. His closing statements at one of the presidential debates this year, he said, I want a government so small, I don't even know it's there. <laughs> yeah. So we're looking for a leader on our side who is strong, who is who is brave, who is ready to defend this country at any moment, who's not a wallflower, but who also respects us enough as individuals to to let us live our lives. That's all that we want. That's all that the... That's all that the revolutionaries wanted in seven in the 1700s. They just wanted to be left alone. Would I be oversimplifying if I said the two sides, if they had mottos, here's what their mottos would be. Our side would be, quote, leave me alone, unquote. Their side would be, quote, gimme, unquote. Yeah, Rush has been saying, his greatest line, I think, is you can't beat Santa Claus. Yeah, I said 50% because Obama won, but it, the, truly, you're right, I think at the heart of it, no, I, humans aren't that way. Evil, evil exists, and it corrupts humans, but humans are built to want to be free. They don't want to be impoverished like they've, be, like they've become. The, the rise of welfare, just in the last, just in the last eight years, yeah. seven years, it, it's, people don't want this, but, but it's, you know, it's our default. We are sinners. We we fall prey easily to shiny objects and free stuff, quote unquote, <laughs> and other people, you know, and not having to work because, anyways, it's yeah, it's. But the heart of America, I, I, basically, this conversation has not done anything to to because you know I I, I don't want to be wrong, I don't want to be brainwashed, and I don't want to to just believe like yeah, I'm I'm American, mm -hmm. like it's my football team. Which that is also an undeniable truth that the Broncos are the best, but it it is indeed current most recent game notwithstanding. But <gasps> I, I will I will I will close by saying I know you're going to um, throw on some excerpts from some some famous clips and maybe some cool music and all. But I just I just want to say that I'm not brainwashed. Okay, I fought for my country. I continue to serve my country and I'll serve it until I die. And I serve it not because I'm brainwashed, but because of the idea that it stands for resonates in my heart. It resonates in my soul. I believe in God. I believe in God's 
bounty upon this nation, and I will fight to my last breath, whether it's fighting by arguing in the political realm or fighting with my fists, guns, and whatever it takes, because America is worth fighting for. Amen. And how many priests, religious, just believers over the the, the centuries here have have agreed with that? And that includes, you know, in World War II. It's funny because at that time, oh yeah, everybody in the world could finally recognize that American ideals are right, righteous against what, look what happened to Europe when it fell into that gimme, gimme, gimme. They just, you fall into these traps. And for so long, America seemed like we were the last bastion of this individualism, you know, and now it's, it's. Yeah, but they're so sophisticated, Justin. We're, we're just Neanderthals, knuckle dragging, but we digress. It is time to move on. We have gone over. Yeah. And we've got, uh, we've got another debate tonight that I'm going to go listen to. So. All right. right. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Marines everywhere. And God bless America. God bless America. And please people keep moving forward in a good way. Mm-hmm. Amen. Hoorah. What American exceptionalism is not, it is not that we are better people. It is not that we are superior people. It is not that we are smarter people. It is not that God loves us and hates everybody else. It is not that God prefers us. It is not that God doesn't prefer anybody else. American exceptionalism has nothing to do with anything but freedom and liberty. On the eve of our struggle for independence, a man who might have been one of the greatest among the founding fathers, Dr. Joseph Warren, president of the Massachusetts Congress, said to his fellow Americans, our country is in danger but not to be despaired of. On you depend the fortunes of America. You are to decide the important question which, upon which rests the happiness and the liberty of millions yet unborn. Act worthy of yourselves. Well, I believe we, the Americans of today, are ready to act worthy of ourselves. Ready to do what must be done to ensure happiness and liberty for ourselves, our children, and our children's children. From time to time, we've been tempted to believe that society has become too complex to be managed by self-rule, that government by an elite group is superior to government for, by, and of the people. We are a nation that has a government, not the other way around. And this makes us special among the nations of the earth. Our government has no power except that granted it by the people. It is made up of men and women who raise our food, patrol our streets, man our mines and factories, teach our children, keep our homes, and heal us when we're sick. Professionals, industrialists, shopkeepers, clerks, cabbies, and truck drivers. They are, in short, we the people. Their patriotism is quiet but deep. Their values sustain our national life. With the idealism and fair play which are the core of our system and our strength, we can have a strong and prosperous America at peace with itself and the world. So with all the creative energy at our command, 
Let us begin an era of national renewal. Let us renew our determination, our courage, and our strength. And let us renew our faith and our hope. It is time for us to realize that we are too great a nation to limit ourselves to small dreams. We will again be the exemplar of freedom and a beacon of hope for those who do not now have freedom. We are a nation under God, and I believe God intended for us to be free. And now to honor America, especially the brave men and women serving our nation in the Persian Gulf and throughout the world, please join in the singing of our national anthem. The anthem will be followed by a flyover of F-16 jets from the 56th Tactical Training Wing at MacDill Air Force Base and will be performed by the Florida Orchestra under the direction of Maestro Yaha Ling and sung by Grammy Award winner Whitney Houston.